Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We are not doing this, however, without considering the works we are committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Good morning, everyone. We are continuing our series called True Identity. We're going through the book of Ephesians. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 14 to 21. The whole idea of this series was for us who believe in Jesus to understand who we are as followers of Christ. What is our identification? What is the DNA of those who name Jesus as their Lord? And what's the difference? I mean, what's the difference of following Jesus doesn't change us or have an effect on us and the people around us? What are we doing? And so I think it's important to understand a little bit more about what this is about. And so we're going to look at four things. We're going to talk about being Italian. I know not all of you are Italian, but I'm going to talk about being Italian. We're going to talk about Sunday school. I'm going to show you some family pictures. Got about 45 minutes worth. Uh, Just kidding. And then we're going to talk about riptides. Now, the reason I throw these things out there, you guys, why are you doing this? It helps me to remember, okay? I'm telling you some things, and that helps me to remember. And so when I talk about being Italian, I know immediately what that means, okay? And we'll get into that. Let's open up to Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 14. And we'll read to the end of the chapter. Paul writes, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly 
than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glorified in the church, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And everyone say, amen. Some powerful words here. Now, there's something that stood out to me in this passage. And one of those things is taking place in verse 19, where he says that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And when I think of filled and being filled with all the fullness, I think of being Italian because Christmas time at our home, when I was growing up at my grandmother's house, food was a plenty. I can't begin to tell you the extent of this. First of all, you'd go in and there would be cookies everywhere. Plats, platters of cookies, different types of cookies, the pizzelles, chocolate chips. My grandmother wasn't great at cookies, but there were still a lot of them. She was amazing at pasta though, okay? So the cookies were just lying around that you would just snack on for hours before the meal came. When it came time for dinner, there was a traditional Italian uh, meal. It was Seven types of fish. Okay, see that big pot right there? That's the Chiapino soup. Oh my goodness, okay? This stuff is just unbelievable. You got clams, you got smelts, you got all these different kinds of fish. You got the calamari, you had anchovy pasta. There were seven types of fish and the table was just laden with food. All kinds of food. And I don't know how your family is, but in our family... They never thought that we were going to have enough, right? It's like, oh, we better, we better make another, you know, pot of pasta. And then there would be enough for 20 people, even though there's only 10 of us, right? And so you felt compelled to eat as much as you could because grandma went through all this cooking all week long for this meal. And so we would sit there for hours and just eat and eat and eat. There was homemade penny rolls that were like this big. They were, there was pans of them. We had like 80 penny rolls. I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. You see, this is, I don't know if it's just being Italian, but the idea of food is kind of what it's about. You know, when, when the Jewish mom sends her kids to school, she goes, don't forget your books. My mom says, don't forget your lunch, right? You know, it's like, you need the food. That's what you need. You got to take the food with you because... That's what it's about. And so I think of being full and I remember those dinners where it's just like, you're, oh, this is so good. Oh, that's all I can do. That's it. I'm done. And then, oh, we still got the homemade pie. Oh, okay. Give me an hour. Give me an hour. We'll let it all settle and we'll come back and I'll get some more f- food in there. And this idea of being just filled, totally stuffed, just indulging in this goodness. And I wonder... When he talks about being filled with all the fullness of God, I wonder, have you ever felt that? And I started thinking, do do I feel that? And and I know that there's sometimes that I might have a sense of I'm filled, but there's a lot of times I don't. There's a lot of times where I, I feel like I'm still hungry and it's good to long for more of God. It's good to want to grow in God. You see, Paul is praying that we might be filled with the fullness of God. And I'm wondering, do you feel 
full with the fullness of God? Are, are you filled with that fullness? Or do you feel like there's something missing, there's something lacking, there's an area where I need to develop, I need to grow, where I need to, to feed this area of my life? And you see, what's happening here is this really is a prayer. Paul is going to show us how to feel full in this prayer. It's kind of a step program. As we go through this, he's telling us how we can be filled with the fullness of God. And it's something that is supposed to happen in our lives. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment, again, has that idea of being full where you, you are filled with the fullness of God and you are content that you don't need anything else for your life to be complete because he has made you complete. Do you feel that? And if not, this is where Paul is wanting to take us. He's wanting to lead us to this place where we are filled with the fullness of God. And, and so Paul goes into this prayer and as he starts praying, we start looking at some of the things that he prays here. He starts praying that, verse 16, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And as he starts praying these things, he starts off saying that he gets on his knees and prays for them, which is kind of descriptive. He's telling, yeah, this is what I do for you guys. I get on my knees and I pray. And then he starts telling us his prayer. And I'm thinking, okay, the uh, church that was there in Ephesus, we talked a little bit about it. I mean, this was an area that was pretty impoverished. It was riddled with disease a lot of STDs because of the worship of Diana and the, the temple that was there. And, and of all the things that you could pray for us, Paul, wouldn't you pray that we would be healthy? Wouldn't you pray that our church would grow? Wouldn't you pray that we would have money and be able to provide for our families? You know how, how difficult it is. You know the, the change that is taking place, us moving from this pagan belief to this faith in Christ, and you know how it's affected us. But his prayer isn't about those things. He prays that they would be filled, their hearts would dwell, that Christ would be in their hearts through faith, that he would strengthen them in their inner being. You'd be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. He's praying for the stuff inside. And then this curious verse that really is at the heart of our faith, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Sunday school. You ever been to Sunday school? How many of you went through Sunday school? You remember in Sunday school where they had the flannel boards, right? They had the flannel board of Jesus and all the people. And then at some point in there, the teacher would say, how many of you would like to have Jesus in your heart? Everyone close your eyes. And everyone closes their eyes. Okay, if, if you'd like Jesus in your heart, make eye contact with me. 
And the kids look up. Oh, I was just looking to see who was there, but maybe I did make eye contact. Now what's happening? But what does that mean? Jesus into your heart. And kids would always wonder, like, how does he get there? Right? How does Jesus get into my heart? Well, it's kind of creepy. That's a little, I don't know what that looks like. Years ago, there was a movie called The Fantastic Voyage. Did anyone remember that movie? Okay, we're showing our age here, right? It was this movie where these people had to go inside, I think it was a president, because he had a blood clot or he had something in his brain or something like that. And so they shrunk them down and put them in a hypodermic needle and they shot them into this system and they had this little spaceship that flew through his body. Freaked me out as a kid, right? Because I was like, oh man, things going through our body. I know Raquel Welsh was in it. That's, I was a young, impressionable boy. That's all I remember, right? And so... There's this idea of this thing going through their body to find its way through their heart. Or maybe, honey, I shrunk the kids, some of you a little younger. You know, this, how, how does Jesus get into our heart? Does he, you know, get injected into us? Does he go down? And where does he find this place? And what does it mean? And how does it happen? Well, he tells us it happens through faith. In other words, it happens by believing. Because that's what faith is. When you believe then he comes in. And I think we have to understand maybe, first of all, this idea of what it means in your heart. What is your heart? Well, it's your personality. It is your character. It's the control center of who you are. It's the center of your being. It's from where everything else comes out of it. And so when we say that Jesus is in our hearts, what he's saying is he's at the center of your life. And he gets there because you believe in him. If anyone comes to God, he must believe that he exists and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what isn't seen. By faith we believe and he shows up. And I don't know about your experience with this idea of Christ coming into your heart, but I can tell you a little bit about mine. It wasn't something spectacular that happened. It was something kind of weird for me. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't go to church. This whole idea of faith in God was foreign to me. I didn't really go to Sunday school. I went with my cousins a couple of times and we went into this basement thing that was spooky. Um, but that was just us exploring. You know, I don't think we were supposed to go there. We just were going there. And, and so I didn't have a background in church. And all of a sudden I, I go to this Bible study and, and this person asks me if I'd like Jesus to come in my heart. And I'm like, not sure what that means, but sure, I'd like that. And so then he gets on his knees, kind of like Paul here. And this was a guy who was as wide as he was tall. I mean, he's just kind of a square of a man, right? And he goes down on his knees, and I was like, oh, crap, this is serious. He's, he's on his knees. And so I got on my knees, too. And then he says, okay, repeat this prayer after me. And I don't remember the prayer, something about Jesus come into my life. Then I, okay, like that. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I did it. I, I, I'm good. Go home, you know. 
things are the same as always, go light up and do all the things that I was used to doing. But all of a sudden, things start changing in my life. All of a sudden, I start desiring things that I didn't desire before. I, I start wanting to read a Bible. What's wrong with me? I'm going to school. I'm hanging out with my friends, and we'd go out, and we'd get high during lunch, and I'd come back, and I'd open my Bible, and I'd go, what are you doing? i go, I'm reading the Bible. What are you doing that for? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And it's all of a sudden, it's like Jesus is in the control center of my life going, I think we need some of this in your life. And I'm like, what's going on? Who am I anymore? I don't know. And all of a sudden, I start finding that this desire changed and it starts pulling me towards my creator. And I can't explain it. It's just there. It started with this belief. It started with this. And this is such a beautiful passage of what it is to be a follower of Jesus so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. And you see, of all the things that Paul could pray for them, of all the things that he wanted for them, this is what he wanted. I want you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being and that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith. I want Christ to be the center of your life because if he's got the controls, he will start moving you towards him. He will start moving you in the direction that your life needs to go. So now it's not just about, oh, I need to be healthy or I need finances. I need a raise. I need these things. No, if he's at the center, all these other things fall into what really matters because he's on the inside. And so Paul is trying to get to what is most important. He's trying to get us to see that this is where it all takes place is when he strengthens the inside, when he dwells in our hearts by faith. This is his desire. This is why he would get on his knees. This is what he wanted above all things, of all the things he could pray for. This is what he wanted for them. Get in the inside. And it happens by you wanting it to. I'm believing. I believe you're there. And allowing him then to minister to you and establish those things in your hearts. This past summer, July, went on vacation with my family. And we went to the Redwoods. This is us walking through the forest, what was this place called? It was the Armstrong Redwood National State Park. Okay, that's us. It's kind of blind. We're not really that wide. Okay. Uh, There's my daughter's dog right there. That's honey. And that's the the roots of one of these redwood trees. And you see, the the thing that's interesting about redwoods is, is they grow in these little circles. They'll get like five trees and they'll all grow together. And in verse 17, the last part of verse 17, Paul says that you being rooted and grounded in love. And I thought of what it means. I mean, it's such a beautiful picture, rooted and grounded. It's stability. And you see what makes redwoods so stable. That's my wife over there, right there. She's sitting in this little amphitheater. I just thought I'd show that. Uh, These redwoods, 
as they would grow in these little clusters, you'll see like five trees kind of in a circle and they're all doing this. What happens is they don't have deep roots, but what they do is their roots interlock with each other. And so they're connected. And that's what makes them strong because of how they're connected. And it's important that we understand that because this is how God is at work. Notice in in verse 21, to him be glory in the church. This is how he is glorified. It's in the church. It's in a group. You see, it's not an isolated thing. It's not just you and God. It's us and God. We've talked about this before, how we've got a, a mentality where we see something like, you know, I am the vine and you are the branches. And we think, okay, yeah, I'm the branches. No, it's you, plural. Our branches, plural. We're connected to each other. We are part of his body. The the church is how God is moving through the world. And, And one of the areas that we're grounded and rooted in is also in each other. We're rooted and grounded in Christ, but that happens through each other. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. He breaks out against all sound judgment. You see, it's impossible for you to feel full when you're constantly isolated. You need to be connected. This is how you're grounded. This is how you're rooted in Christ because we are his body. And so being grounded and rooted has to do with more than just you. We're we're grounded in love. Whose love? In Christ's love. He tells us in verse 19, in the love of Christ. And so we have this understanding that we're grounded in the love that Christ has for us. And this brings stability because we are together. I know there are people who have come alongside in your life at times, just like there are my, in my life, where people have come alongside and have helped you when you needed help. Needed to get you up, encourage you, to help you along wherever you're at. We all need that. That's part of how we're rooted and grounded. Us gathering together, you see, <clears throat> we don't just meet together because this is fun. You know, this isn't me trying to just kind of pump you up for for the rest of the week. Let's go, guys. You can do it. You can do it. We're going to be filled. And you come Sunday and you get filled with the fullness of God. Yes. And then you leak all week and then you come back. Okay, let's get filled again. No, this is for us to establish, to get rooted, to get grounded, for us to branch out and to start getting stability in our lives with one another, start connecting with one another, to start growing. And you only grow in relational ways. You, you don't go, you know, I, I'm, I'm really going to get close to God. I, I just need to go and, and be by myself for, you know, a year or two. I mean, there's nothing wrong with going and having quiet time for God. But the whole point is to come back and to be with people. Jesus went away, but it was so he could do the work among the people. And so this is part of what it means to be rooted and grounded. It's about being connected 
with people because that is the only way that you're going to be filled with the fullness of God. Verse 18, he says, "May that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. There it is again. Not just by yourself, with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then Paul is like so jazzed about his prayer. He kind of ends it with a like, whoo, that was a good prayer. Verse 20, he kind of says, now to him who is able to do far more abutting abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church. This power that works within us. And this is something that is so important because he's praying that we would be strengthened in the inner man, that Christ would dwell in our hearts richly through faith. And it is the work of God that takes place in us that is crucial. It is this that we really need to tap into. You see, there is knowledge, but there is more than knowledge that you might know what is beyond your ability to know. And we need to understand that we need God to show us God. Oh, I, I can maybe expound some things and you can learn some things and you can study and get information, but only God can accurately reveal God. He is the one who moves you. And so I thought of, just have you ever been in the ocean and you're caught up in the riptide you know you go to lifeguard 13 and you go out there and you're swimming and your body's surfing and then you look up and it's lifeguard 35 and you're like oh man what, what's going on here how did i get over here well the tide just carried you 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 weren't even aware of it it was moving you And you were just a part of what was going on. And see, what we need is for God to move us. We need God to illuminate who he is to us. We need God to give us knowledge of who God is. Because whatever knowledge we have, it's limited to our understanding. And what God does is he starts to reveal himself in ways that are beyond even our ability to reason. Beyond our ability to maybe even put into words. And maybe there's been times where that's happened to you, where you'll be sitting somewhere. I mean, it doesn't have to even be in church. It doesn't have to be in, quote, a spiritual setting. You can go to a movie and all of a sudden you're like getting touched by something. I was watching a couple of videos and I was watching this video and it was about this family who had this young daughter who was born with this disease and she was going to need constant treatment. They had to feed her through a tube. They had to, to clear out her trachea and it was just this horrendous thing that would happen to them. The daughter was like six years old and then the mom says, you know, I thought the hardest thing I could ever do would be to take care of my daughter But she said, no, but I realized the hardest thing would be to be without her. And I was just like, (laughs) and I had this feeling of just God ministering to me. And it was like, oh my gosh, what is this? 
What's going on? Is anyone looking? I'm crying here and uh, I'm just being moved by this in, in such a way. And when those things happen, what you need to do is lean into it because the knowledge of who God is is being revealed by God himself. I mean, that's some of the reason why you guys come back here is because I'll be talking and all of a sudden some, I say something and it might not even be, I could be talking about Italian food. And all of a sudden you're like, I just felt touched by God in some way. You know, and I'm just like, I'm not aware of it, but God's doing something. You lean into that because God is working. And the more you lean into that, the more God starts to reveal himself to you. See, it's knowledge beyond our ability to understand. It is the work of God in you that's taking place and it happens to everyone it doesn't matter if you are a pastor it doesn't matter where you are you have to be clergy to have the work of god no it happens to everybody that's his prayer that's what he's desiring he, he's desiring that this work of god would take place in us that christ would dwell in our hearts richly through faith, that you would be moved, the control center of your life would be directed by God and that you would have the sense and when that sense comes upon you, you would hear the voice of God and you would be still for that moment, even if it's in your car, even if it's at work, you could be having a conversation with someone and you might just be able to take a second and say, whoa, God is speaking to me right now about this situation, about something in my life might be listening to a song and all of a sudden this jumps into your heart and you're thinking, what is going on here? And you're moved because God is moving you like the current of the ocean. He is taking you somewhere. This is what our faith is about. It is about being directed by God himself. This is your identity as a follower of Jesus you get to hear from God and be moved by God. And the biggest desire that Paul has and the biggest desire that I could have is that you'd be strengthened in your inner being, that Christ would dwell in your heart richly by faith, that you would be rooted and grounded in what he is doing in his love that shows up in the church so that you would know what you can't know, that you would experience what only God can reveal. Because this is the desire that he wants. And this is what he wants to do in the church through all generations forever and ever. See, God's grace is so amazing. And his love is so extensive that it reaches you wherever you are at. And it wants to take hold of your life. And he wants to come into your heart. And he wants to move you with the flow of his spirit towards life itself. And all that's necessary is for you to believe. You can't earn it. There's nothing you could do that would make you deserve it. All you have to do is believe he wants it for you. And this grace is all we have.
I, I, I heard a talk where Glennon, what's her, Glennon Milton Doyle, Momastery, I don't know if you guys are familiar with her. She was talking about how, you know, we have been delivered from the shame of all that we've done. And when she talks about her life and she talks about how she was an alcoholic, addicted to drugs, how she had an abortion and all these things that there are people, usually Christians, who want to keep, you know, you should feel ashamed for these things that happened to your life. She goes, ashamed? But Jesus came to get rid of my shame. Why would I want it back? And I love, she goes, you know, I was delivered. I I was an alcoholic. I was a food addict. Grace is the only buzz I have left, and you will remove it from my dead, cold fingers. Grace is all we have. It is the buzz of our life, and we don't let go of that for anything. This is the heart of God that we get to enjoy and be swept away in. This is who we are. As followers of Christ, this is what it looks like to have Jesus in your heart. So I do pray that he would dwell in our hearts, that we would experience the fullness of God, and to him be glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord, I, I... want to be full with the fullness that comes from you. Lord, I I want to be content. I want to be godly, but I, I want also to be content. And Lord, I pray for everyone who is here this morning that this prayer would apply to us, God. That you would strengthen us in our inner being. Whatever needs are here this morning, whatever struggles people are going through. Father, may we realize the way through this struggle is with you at the center of our lives. And so I echo Paul's prayer that you would strengthen us within. And Father, we would allow you that control room of our lives so that you could move us, that you could ground us, you could root us in your love. And Lord, help us to understand that your love shows up in our relationships with one another. Lord, may we develop those relationships. May you be honored. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. I want to end with Paul's own words that we just read. May he grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. 
Stick around. Enjoy each other's company. Eat the rest of the donuts. Have some coffee. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.